preaching text for this week comes from Matthew 6, starting at verse 7. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See, I can remember something. Well, so we, as I mentioned before, we are in week two of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus' Sermon on the Mount starts in Matthew chapter 5, and it continues through chapter 6, uh, and then ends at the very end of chapter 7. And so uh, we will continue to be in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount next week uh, as we uh, hear some of chapter 7, the final chapter of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And as I was uh, first reading through this, as I was preparing for this, uh, this sermon today, one of the things that I noticed, at least at first reading, was compared to last week's uh, chapter 5, the first chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, this week's feels uh, a little bit more scattershot. In fact, when we had our Wednesday Bible study uh, this past Wednesday, I opened up the discussion pretty early on by saying something like, chapter 5 feels like it's a cohesive structure. It's trying to get you somewhere. It starts off with surprising you with blessings, right? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted. These groups of people that you don't expect to be blessed by Jesus are receiving the blessing. And then it keeps on pushing you into what God's law really uh, demands of us. If you want to be righteous before God's law, uh, you uh, come to the end of chapter 5 and it's driven you all the way to to this point. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect, not just human perfection, but God's perfection. In other words, if you thought that following the law was going to be your ticket to be on God's good side, uh, chapter 5 will disabuse you of that notion. It will teach you that the law is beyond anything you can reach. 
But then you get into chapter 6, and I, I said uh, at, at text study on, on Wednesday, or Bible study on Wednesday, uh, it just, it feels like it's sort of Jesus' greatest hits of teaching or something. It's almost like Jesus just had a, a checklist and he was making sure he covered all the topics, right? Uh, so if you start even before our reading in chapter 6, he opens it up with um, talking about uh, you know, beware of practicing your piety before others to be seen by them. That is, uh, you know, beware of living out your faith, of doing good works uh, so that others see you. He talks about giving alms. Uh, he talks about praying. Uh, don't be like uh, those who love to stand in the synagogues or on the street corners and pray. Then he gets into our reading where we start. Uh, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles. Uh, then he starts talking about forgiveness after the Lord's Prayer. Then he talks about fasting. Then he talks about storing up treasures. And it just sort of seems like a bunch of uh, a checklist of items that Jesus decides we need to know a little bit about all of these things. And we could have kept going. Uh, the the uh, famous passage of do not worry. Uh, do not worry about tomorrow. That's coming up at, at, uh, later in chapter 6 as well. And it just seems if 5 was really cohesive and had a direction to it, 6 sort of just seems kind of scattered. I mean, what do any of these things have to do with each other? I mean, they're important, don't get me wrong, but it seems like probably he could have spent, you know, a lesson or he handed out a syllabus at the beginning. Uh, these are the topics we're going to be covering rather than just sort of hitting them as he goes through in this way. But then as I sat with it longer, uh, especially in the second half of the week, and uh, did a little bit of reading about what other people were thinking about this passage, uh, I started to notice that there actually is more of a theme that unites this, and it happens right at the end of our reading, and really I think all of chapter 6 can be interpreted through this lens, and it's uh, this idea of where your treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, whoever planned uh, our selection of readings so that we ended with that verse probably already knew this going into it. I was not the person who decided to end at verse 21 where we ended. Uh, they probably already knew that this was uh, a good spot. In fact, the people who decided the theme of our bulletin covers, we don't make those up ourselves. So initially I was thinking, I'm not going to preach on treasure in heaven at all, but here I am. It does seem to me to be the, the theme of, of, the, of the passage. All of this is what is your treasure in heaven? So let's think about that. I mentioned this at Bible study as sort of a fun aside. I'll mention it for you too, because I think it's a fun aside. Uh, the word uh, in, in uh, Greek for treasure is literally the word thesaurus. So if any of you are writers or uh, like words or have ever used a, a thesaurus maybe reluctantly in order to spice up your writing a little bit so you're not using the same word over and over again, that's just the Greek word for treasure, thesaurus. So when Jesus says, uh, don't tr store up for yourselves treasures on earth, he's, you could almost literally say, don't thesaurus for yourselves thesauruses on earth. Uh, use the heavenly thesauruses when you're doing it. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I just think that's a fun aside. Um, as a language nerd, I kind of like that. Uh, but where your treasure is. So what does this mean? What does Jesus mean when he talks about treasure? And how do we get treasure into heaven in the first place? I mean, storing up treasure on earth, I, I can make sense of that, right? You have your valuables, you have the things that you want to store up, that you want to save for later. Let's say you're a farmer, you're going to store up the grain that you have for when you need it in the winter or when prices will be better to sell it, you store it up uh, for a later date. Or let's say uh, if you have a retirement account, uh, as I do, you are storing away some of your income in this retirement account. You're you know, doing some numbers 
digital magic, and that those numbers are being applied to an account somewhere, and they're doing some stock market things or whatever with it, and it's growing, and in theory, it'll be there uh, when you arrive. Social Security, right? That's the same uh, sort of idea, although it seems a little less sure for someone my age that it'll be there. Uh, but, you know, here we are, storing up treasures. Or, you know, a ba safety deposit box or a safe. Uh, think of the places where you put things to be safe so that you can have access to them later, whether they're valuable to you for emotional reasons or financial valuables, so that you will be cared for in the future, so that you'll have what you need in the future. So storing up treasures on earth, I mean, so much of our lives is, uh, is, is dedicated to doing just like that. But how do you get treasures stored up in heaven? I mean, how do I build up a uh, 401k in heaven? How do I save up grain uh, for the winter or when the prices are better or whatever it is? How do I get that into heaven? And maybe even more importantly, how do I get it out again if I manage to get it in there somewhere? Because a treasury, of course, is only as good, uh, only works if you can take it out. There's lots of safe places you can put things, but if you can never get to them again, they're not treasured up very well for you now, are they? So let's think about that. How do you get treasures into heaven? Or more importantly, how do you get treasures back out of heaven? So if you look through chapter 6 with this question in mind, where is your treasure? Where is your treasury? Where is that safe place? Then you can get a sense of what Jesus is talking about here. So when he starts, he starts with those uh, two sections I alluded to before our reading. Uh, Beware of practicing your piety before others to be seen by them. He says, then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's interesting. And he says, give alms. Don't sound a trumpet for you, before you when you give alms, when you, you know, give your offering as the hypocrites do. Now, I don't know if Jesus is uh, exaggerating here, but I like to imagine that there were people who had an especially good offering that they were proud of, and they hired somebody, they paid somebody uh, to blow a trumpet in front of them. So everybody saw how good their offering was as they deposited it with a loud thunk in the uh, treasury box in the temple. He may be exaggerating here. I don't know, but I like the, the picture. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to stand in the synagogues and pray in front of everyone at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. He says, truly, they have received their reward. They're treasuring up treasures in other people's thinking about them. Then he gets into ours. When you are praying, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles. Uh, you know, there's this idea that if you pray uh, with a lot of words or maybe very beautiful words or if you pray for a long time, right, uh, that God is more likely to hear you. Maybe you'll wear God down with an hour of prayer, whereas a quick little uh, prayer God would have uh, sort of been like, yeah, he doesn't really want that. He doesn't really mean that. But Jesus says, no, your Father in heaven already knows what you need even before you ask. Now here, I think, is where this idea of treasure starts to make sense. Where is the treasury in heaven? What is the treasury in heaven? That place where our valuables are stored so that they can be provided to us. It's in what the Father already knows. When we pray to God... Even with these short, simple prayers, this prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer, which we say every week, which we have uh, memorized, which uh, maybe easily you could pray it without even thinking about what you're saying, without having any idea what's coming out of your mouth. Even these short and simple and seemingly meaningless to the world prayers end up mining the riches of what God knows that we need. 
the treasury in heaven that has already been filled for us. And God is now dispensing it to us to give us what we need. Forgiveness, then, uh, takes on the same uh, idea. Uh, Fasting, he says, don't look dismal, or I like to say, don't look gloomy uh, like the hypocrites. They're disfiguring their faces uh, so that everybody knows they're fasting. No, dress up and, uh, you know, anoint yourself with oil. It says, you know, shower, do your hair in the way that you normally would so nobody knows because you're receiving your reward not from people but from God who knows what you need even before you fast for it, even before you ask for it. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth because what happens to them? Moths happen. Rust, or actually that word is literally eating, consuming. They get consumed. Thieves break in. They're stolen from you, whether that's uh, literal thieves breaking into your house or something more like a Ponzi scheme. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That is, look for what you need from the treasury in heaven who is your father who knows what you need before you ask. So what does this look like then? Well, it's not so much about uh, putting treasures into heaven as it is receiving treasures out of that heavenly treasury from which the Father gives to us. And so I can think of no better place than to look at uh, Martin Luther's explanations of the Apostles' Creed in the Catechism. What do you need from God? What is it that you need to withdraw from your treasury? Uh, is it, for example, uh, your, uh, the, the things you need for your body, things to eat? Well, who is God? God the Father Almighty. Well, he's the one who daily and abundantly provides shoes and clothing, food and drink, house and farm, spouse and children, fields, livestock, all property, along with everything we need for this body and life. Maybe it's not so much that we need. Maybe it's the things that we have done. We need uh, forgiveness. We need redemption from the things that we have done and left undone as we confessed at the beginning of this service. Well, I believe in Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? He is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned human being. He has purchased and freed me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. He has done all this so that I may belong to him and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in eternal righteousness and innocence and blessedness. Now that's treasure in heaven. Or maybe it's uh, not so much that something has happened in the past, but it's just hard to be today. Well, I believe in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I believe that I cannot come to Jesus Christ, my Lord, or trust in him, but instead that the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, has enlightened me with his gifts, and has kept me in the true faith, just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes holy the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one common true faith. And then it goes on. Daily, the Holy Spirit abundantly forgives all sins, mine and those of all believers, and on the last day, the Holy Spirit will raise me and all the dead and will give to me and all believers in Christ eternal life. This is most certainly true. Where is the treasure in heaven? Better question, who is the treasure in heaven? It is Jesus Christ who comes to you with the forgiveness of sins. It is God the Father who has created this world and your body and everything that you are and daily gives you all that you need 
It is the Holy Spirit who has come to you and is confirming this promise, this trust, this faith in you day in and day out through the forgiveness of sins and who one day will resurrect you and unite you with all of God's people eternally with God. Amen.